Morning Journey Church. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. You guys great? Come on, y'all excited to be here? Come on, I'm just saying, we might have church today. I'm just saying something. Look, I am super excited to be able to present to you, you know, something just from my heart, from the Lord's heart, and just, hey, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be leaving here today encouraged. Amen? Awesome. Hey, look, let me give a quick shout out to our entire nursery team. All these girls do a great, great job. Yeah. Seriously. You know, we're able to have church with it being a little quiet because I know if my kids were in here, thank, uh, man, it would, be, it would be wild times. I'm just saying. So listen, thank you all so much. We, we appreciate uh, so many of you all, first service, second service, third service. Casey's back there. She's over the nursery. And listen, we're just grateful. And listen, if you're interested in helping out with the kids, I want to encourage you. Look, she's in the back right there. Everybody turn your heads and look at her right there. Casey, hey, thank you for your help. If you're interested, go see her. She'll be here uh, the whole time just, you know, being back there. So, uh, but honestly, hey, look, we love all of our serve team, and we're just grateful uh, for each and every one of you. Y'all do so much, and uh, we wouldn't be able to do church and be a part of this church uh, without the people of God. Amen? Awesome. Well, listen, we're going to get into this in just, just a second, but I just want to pray and invite the Lord here, and we're just going to have a great, exciting time. Amen? All right, Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for the things that you're doing. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just use this message, that it would leap from my heart and the words that I'm trying to communicate, and you would touch the lives of the people in this room. I pray that you would strike their hearts, Lord, right now, Lord, that they would be, become ones, Lord, who will be fully consecrated lovers of Jesus. Lord, wherever they're at, whatever their difficulties are, uh, whatever the trials are, are uh, particularly in their life today, Lord, I pray that we could just for this moment, Lord, just relax and hear something from your heart, Lord, that would liberate them and lead them to greener pastures in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Come on, I want you all to say amen like you mean it. Amen. Come on, we're going to have that a little bit today. I want you to help me preach. If I say something good, I want you to say, hey, amen, okay? I want you all to do something funny. Look, if you won't get up and just say, Hey, that was good. That's cool. Hey, look, well, I, I might be preaching right back at you. So we're going to have a great time. We've got a great message. I'm really encouraged uh, by this. Thank you so much, my man, Kurt. And so, uh, but honestly, uh, we're in this series right now, Living My Best Life. And I'm excited about this because honestly, here at Journey Church and at the church at large, the church's mission is to help you to live your best life. Now, I'm not just talking about making you a good person. I'm talking about making you a godly person. That's what the church church is called to. Okay. That's what the church is called to, right? Amen. Amen. And you know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, it says God gave these gifts to the church, right? It says the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, teacher, you know, the pastor. He's gave, given the gifts to the church. For, it says for the work to, to, to instruct them in the works of the ministry. So the ministry belongs to you. It doesn't belong up here, right? I mean, that's what the Bible says. And in verse 13, it says to equip them to, uh, to full maturity. Somebody say maturity. Yeah, and look, we are here to equip the people of God so that they would grow, live their best life, that they would be mature, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And that, look, you would just be able to possess wisdom and the knowledge of God. And that is why we're here. That is why we want you to live the best life for the glory of God and your good. Amen. 
Amen, amen. So look, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to um, do a little bit of uh, a little backstory, a little background. Um, but before that, I just want to tell you, and I think something that you already know, that one of the problems with, you know, maybe Americans is that we're all too American, we're all too enlightened, we're all too physical, right? And so sometimes we have a, a hard time trusting in the Lord that we do not see. It's easy to trust in your bank account when you have a certain amount of zeros. It's easy to trust in friendship that you can see and tangibly touch. When they say they'll be there, they'll be there and you can trust them. It's easy to trust in those ways and in natural ways. And that's great. That's given to us from God. I'm not saying it's wrong to trust in those things. But it's sometimes hard for the church to trust in God that we do not see. That we sometimes, he seems so distant and calm in life. It's like, where is God? And we have a hard time believing in the promises of God because it seems so distant. And he seems at times so absent especially when we're not seeking him. I mean, look, the most of the time in my life when I felt that God was absent, it was because I have actually withdrawn from the prayer room. It's when I have been the one who first withdrew from him. It's almost like, man, it's like, hey, come and draw unto me, then I'll draw unto you, right? Isn't that what it says in James? Come on, you want to know God? Go after him, huh? We have any God chasers in the house? Like, literally, we want to go after God. You want your best life now you want, to, you want to live your best life and that kind of that quality of life? Hey, seek God and be found by him. You know, and so I am interested in today this topic of actually trusting in the Lord and growing in our trust. I mean, we trust in ourselves. We trust in what man can do. Again, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, but it's like we have a hard time trusting in what, who the Lord is and what he said about himself. And, you know, when I was in Bible school, and it was in 2003 or four, something like that, and um, I had a guy, actually, when I got saved, I was about 17 years old, a guy by the name of James Roussel, love this guy, he's been a great instrument, tool in, in my life, and he just mentored me. We met on Mondays for about two years. You want to talk about dedication and devotion, he was devoted to me and somebody that he didn't know at the time, and he invested in me, it's discipleship, and he invested in me for about two years, and did a lot of great things, get, printed me out all these scripture cards and had me memorizing scripture. What he didn't know, I was in math class memorizing scripture. I was never really that good at math. But anyway, I learned the Bible in math class, huh? And so, uh, don't do that, teenagers. Uh, and so... You know, he would tell me, you know, through this two years, just getting to know him, he's, and he was a wealthy guy. He's wealthy. He, was, he owned his house. He had two cars and a Corvette. He let me take it to Taylor's prom. She invited me. She was, she was after me first. But anyway, uh, and so I took, I took the, his Corvette to our prom, had a great time. And, and uh, he would tell me, he said, J Jeremy, you know, if you ever need anything, I want you to just ask me. If, you, if it's money, if it's things that you need, I needed a Bible, you bought me a Bible, and he would tell me, like, literally, I'm here for you. It was kind of a relationship that we built, and it was great, and, and I never asked. I mean, I really never had a lot of needs. I mean, you know, my parents provided, and I didn't have a lot of needs. And Anyway, so I'm in Bible school, and the opportunity comes for me to go to this, um, to, 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 to essentially be a missionary, an extended missions trip in a nation called Vanuatu. I needed about four or five thousand dollars and and I 
As soon as I heard about the trip, I'm like, hey, I'm in. Made the decision and the driving to go hit golf balls in a lake in Dallas. It was awesome. And I'm like, just as soon as I heard about the opportunity, I'm like, I'm there. So get back to my, my dorm room and I call my friend James. I'm like, I got the money right now, right? He's got money and he said he would help me. So I call him and I'm like, and I had no fear whatsoever because I knew he was going to provide for me. I knew that he would be my God in that situation. And so I called him and I said, hey, James, got this opportunity. And so would you just, you know, could you help me? Absolutely, Jeremy. I've been telling you all these years that, you know, when you call, hey, I got it. I'm going to send you a check. I'm going to put it in the mail. I'm so excited for you. Talk for a few moments and that was it. Hang up the phone. About maybe a minute later, a minute later, he calls me back and he said, Jeremy, I'm sorry, but I, I actually have been checked by the Lord. I cannot send you a dollar. I cannot send you any money. The Lord just told me that you're trusting in me and you have abandoned your trust in the Lord. And so you have to go find the new means. And that really challenged me. That really struck at my heart. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, and, and literally I went and repented before the Lord. And this scripture came to life in Jeremiah 17.5. Hold in 1 Samuel. And Jeremiah 17.5, it says, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. The thus says the Lord is not some kind of poetical embellishment to adorn the scriptures. It's exactly what it says. Thus says the Lord. Cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his strength and whose heart departs from the Lord, right? Did you know that the curse is initiated from God, not the devil? Even in Genesis 1, it says the curse is initiated from God, but also blessing. So cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his strength and whose heart departs from the Lord. He shall be like a shrub in the desert. In the desert. So he shall, he shall not see good when it comes. He will be in a desolate land. And later on, it says, but blessed is the man. I mean, you know, blessings come from the Lord. But blessed is the man whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by a river. And he, 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 look, and when the summer comes and when the heat waves come, he's going to be near the river, near the source of life, that water. And he's going to draw from the source of life. How many of you know, it says in, the, in Psalms, it says, there is a river whose stream make glad the city of our God. The people who are no God, you will live a blessed life. People who know God and trust in strength and trust, trust in man have a hard time in this life. In the book of 1 Samuel, I think that we have here um, potential options. I think we have uh, the design from God himself that it's almost his divine strategy by which he lures man in. He lures us in, the people of God, and he shows us a strategy by which we can learn and adapt to trust in the Lord, okay? And we're gonna get into that. And I think that there's always been two ways. In a world that is more complex than ever, I think that it, 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 if we can come back to simplicity, I think there's always two options. And there's not multiple ways. There's God's ways and there's man's ways. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There's the tree in Genesis, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. There is really always ever, it's just a plural, it's just two things that we are to choose from. And I think the issue is the same. The issue that, that they dealt with then is the issue we, dealt, we deal with now. 
In 1 Samuel 7, a little bit of background before I, I read these passages, this passage is, this takes place, the story takes place against the backdrop of ancient Israel. When the people of God, this was before Solomon's temple, it's before this massive temple was erected in order for the people to come and worship in this amazing building, if you will, that was built to, to house the temple and the glory of God. This is before all that. This is when the people of God worshipped in the tabernacle which was built by Moses in Shiloh. And Israel at this particular time in their history, and if you know anything about the Old Testament, you see highs and lows. They would honor the Lord and then they would defy his name. They would just reject him. And this was a time in the middle of their rejection. And Israel had backslidden from the Lord. They turned their backs. They began to uh, erect altars in the midst of the temple to, to, to Ashtaroth, to Baal. And they began to worship other deities. They began to forsake the God who delivered them just a few generations before from the, 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 their taskmaster, Pharaoh. And he delivered them from them with a mighty outstretched arm. They had turned their backs on the true and living God. And if that wasn't bad enough, even the priesthood, the people, the pastors, the ministers began to reject the Lord as well. Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. In chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, it actually says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no frequent or widespread revelation, meaning that the Lord did not speak to his people. I do not want to be a part of a generation if the Lord does not speak to the people. And so it says that Eli's eyesight was very dim, that he couldn't see. And I wonder if there's some kind of connection with the priest and the people where the priest, his eyesight began to go dim and the spiritual eyesight as well. And as the priest began to lose trust and hope in the Lord, so did the people. They were blind. And without regard, Hophni and Phinehas would uh, despise the sacrifices of God that the people would bring. They would come and they would bring an offering to the Lord or a sacrifice. And what they were supposed to do is the Lord, in his providence, he made a way for the, for the priest to be able to eat from the sacrifices. What they would do is they'd bring a lamb and they would dip it in water and they would boil it. And what the priest would do is he would take a hook and he would put it in there and he would just pull it out one time. And whatever piece of meat came out, that's what the priest was, they were able to live off of that food. And what Hophni and Phinehas would do is they despised and threw a strong arm with guards. When people would come with their lambs as a sacrifice, they would take it in, in, with hostility and they would take the best parts of the meat for themselves. You know, and the, it says that Eli would not refrain his sons. Eli was in charge and he would not refrain his sons from committing this evil. And the Lord's displeasure turned upon Eli. And maybe, you know, the, it says that Eli was a very fat man. And maybe you know, Hophni and Phinehas were saying, hey, dad, here, take this piece of meat and shut up. And maybe he was kind of, you know, dibble-dabbing in two different worlds of pleasure and trying to serve God. And in the midst of it, he displeased the Lord. Israel had backslidden and the Lord was ready to punish them. So he sent their enemies, the enemies of God, the Philistines, to come and strike them and to harass them and to harm them and even further to put them in slavery and subjugation and in a midst of turmoil. So the Philistines come and Hophni and Phinehas they, and the priests, they go out to battle and the Philistines whip them. 
So they ran back home, and Hophni and Phinehas had a great idea. They said, we're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant. This is Israel's sacred piece. This is their lucky charm. And so they brought this thing out to battle, saying, the Lord is going to deliver us. The Lord. I mean, the, if you know about the Ark of the Covenant, this is what housed the glory of God. This is where the Lord spoke from. This was in the, the inner place. This is a very uh, sacred uh, uh, ark that God had uh, designed for the people of Israel. It was to house his glory. So they bring this thing out to battle. I mean, how many of us have our lucky charms? Like, oh, we go to church to have our Sunday hour, and we think we're blessed, right? And so we go to, uh, and so we go to, they go to battle, and the Philistines actually crush them even worse. Now they took the ark, they killed the priest's sons, Hophni and Phinehas are now dead. They killed the soldiers, and a messenger goes back to Eli, and he says, Eli, we have just lost the battle. The ark of the covenant is gone. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they're dead, and now the Philistines are coming. And so Eli leans back in his chair to cry and, and mourn, he falls over, breaks his neck, and he dies. Amen. We'll see y'all next Sunday. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, this story is not good. For 20 more years, the nation of Israel were in mourning. They were in slavery. They took their weapons away, and they gave them uh, plows, and they gave them uh, uh, pitchforks to farm. They had no weapons. They have no way to defend themselves against a, a hard taskmaster that certainly required grain and money from them. It was certainly a 20 years of depression. Maybe some of you have been in 20 years of your own depression, a 20 years of, of slavery to another pharaoh, to another taskmaster, to another Philistine. Maybe 2019 for you was the worst year of your life. Maybe 2020, it's time for you to get fed up. 20 years later, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7, and this is where we're going to pick up. I believe that God is ready to do something to a people and for a people on behalf of a people who are fed up. And they will reconsecrate themselves to look wholly and fully to the Lord. In verse 3, and I, it's very interesting in the book of 1 Samuel for those first few chapters, you see something interesting. It, is that Samuel, it says that, that in the boy Samuel was growing. He was growing. Come on, Keith. He was growing. And I wonder if there's kind of this innuendo of the boy Samuel was growing, but the prophet was maturing in him. I wonder if the heart of God became, became one with him. I, I, I wonder if Samuel was the, was the kind of person that could put his ear to the heart of God and, and, and sense, seek, and discern times and seasons. And he would know what the Lord required. He had studied the written word, the, the, the Torah that God had given, the laws, and he was growing and he was growing, and he was growing. We're going to pick up in verse 3. It's okay, you can laugh. Okay. In verse 3, 1 Samuel 7, 3. It says, and Samuel said to the house of Israel. So again, this is the backdrop. Samuel is, you know, they're in slavery 20 years. And Samuel comes on the scene, and he begins to take leadership. And Samuel said to the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away your foreign gods and the Ashtaroths from among you and direct 
your heart to the Lord and serve him only. I pray to God that some of you will be fed up at the state and the spiritual state of your families and you will rise up in your homes and you'll say, if we are ready to turn our hearts to the Lord, there are things that we're going to put away, that there are things we're going to do different in 2020. 2019 may have been something, we're going to leave it in the past and we're going to go on to 2020. And all God's people said, Okay, you're still with me. And he will deliver you. This is Samuel. And he will deliver you. You turn to the Lord. He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the people of Israel, Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and they served the Lord only. I love that. They served the Lord only. And in the midst of their, it, it, they were being oppressed and they put it away. They put away the foreign false gods. And they began to turn their attention to the Lord. How many of you know when you turn your attention to the Lord, things just come in front of you? You start that 21 days of fasting and your employer says, hey, I'm taking everybody out to steak dinners tonight, right? I mean, how many of you know anytime you direct your heart, you're intentional about something, something pops up, right? It's like, man, why couldn't this have happened last week? You know, or how many of you know you're consecrating yourself and, and all of a sudden uh, you, something evil happens right in front of you? I mean, what are the things that are going on in your own life? And it says, in verse 5, it says, And Samuel gathered all of Israel at Mizpah. So he sends out this message, hey, let's return to the Lord. Put away the foreign gods. And they said, we'll do it. Then he gathers everyone together of all of Israel at Mizpah. And he says, and I will pray to the Lord for you. Oh, pray for your families. Pray for your church. Come on, Miss Debbie, I see you. Come on, pray for your family. Pray for what's happening in your life. So they gathered at Mizpah and they drew water and they poured it out before the Lord and they fasted that day and they said there. So they fasted, they came to a place of mourning, of repentance, and they said, we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. And I pray to God, just to stop right there again, I pray to God that you have somebody in your life that you can open your heart up to that can judge you, that can speak to you and say, hey, you shouldn't be talking that way. Hey, you shouldn't be living like that. Hey, you should do this different. Hey, I hope that, there, that you, are, you are vulnerable enough to people around you that you would allow them to help instruct you because it is a grace of God in your life. And your spouse is one of them. Guys, your wife, they're not bickering and complaining. They are an instrument of God to, 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 to smooth you out. Amen. Wives, your husbands are a, are a minister to the Lord to lead your families and to instruct your homes in the ways of God. It says, in the, and, he, and, he, and he prayed for them, he judged them at Mizpah. Now, when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. So again, check this out. It says, they're there and they're meeting and the lords of the Philistines, they hear about it. And they're starting to get nervous, like there's going to be a rebellion. So they began to gather. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So can you imagine us right now? We're repenting to the Lord. We're turning our hearts to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, you know, the enemies, Philistines, who are right around a corner, they hear about this gathering, the secret gathering, and they're beginning to get their weapons of war, their soldiers, right? 20 years ago, our entire, uh, our, our military, they're destroyed. They're defeated. And now they're coming for us. What do you do? They're, they're consecrating themselves at this moment, and all of a sudden, fear begins to rise up. And I understand in your own life, when you begin to consecrate yourself, there might be times of fear. 
There might be times when you, when you lack in trust and faith, but hold on. Let's look and see what Israel did. It says, and the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he might save us from the hand of the Philistine. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him, and, Sam, and, and, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, now check this out, as this is happening, right, they're in the middle of this, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. As they're burning this offering, the Philistines are coming to declare war. Can you imagine in the middle of our worship, everybody's about to be wiped out. Everyone's about to be annihilated. It says, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as Bethkar. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Very interesting in the next passage in, 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 in verse 12. It says, after that great victory and defeat, it says, then, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now, the Lord has helped us. Until now, till now, the Lord has helped us. What a dramatic scene we have in, this, in these few verses. The drama of a people repenting and then all of the sudden, right? Y'all have those all of the sudden moments in your life when you've decided something and all of the sudden something happens, this dramatic episode where the people are confronted with, the, with alien armies that are going to come and cause their hearts to be redirected from the living God. And they, they were persistent in it. Maybe even their mentality was, even if the Philistines come, we will not reject the Lord. We've had enough. The last 20 years of slavery, it's not worth it anymore. I'm so desperate, I have got to find God. I've got to find liberation from what God is able to, to, to do for, on our behalf. And Samuel does something that is very important as the Bible says that he sets up this memorial stone after this amazing victory. And it's so important, and it's, it's actually very strategic, and what he's doing is, is Samuel places these stones at a place called Ebenezer. It says, in the, in, it says in the middle, or between, Mizpah and Shen. And the reason he put it there is because once a year when the people of God would make a, a pilgrimage to Shiloh, which was where the temple was at to come and worship, the people would pass in between this place, and they would see these rocks. They would see these stones. They would see this place, and in the book of Joshua, it says that like the, the, the purpose behind it was that when a family was traveling, come on, when a family was traveling, a young son would look at his father and he would say, what is that pile of rocks there for? What is that monument for? And one father would tell his sons, families would teach their children that it was, and they would tell them the story of Hophni and Phinehas and how, how Eli was corrupt. And they would talk to them about the way that Israel had rejected the Lord, but how they repented in this place and the Lord thundered and brought about a great victory and one son would tell he would tell his, one father would tell his son and the sons would tell their sons and for generations the name
name of the Lord would be lifted high and magnified and people would worship the Lord based off of what he had done in the past. And I believe that in this passage, we have something very interesting. That we have something to go off of, that, that there are stones in our life, there are memorials in our life that we can look at and say, if the Lord helped us then, he'll help us now. If the Lord saved us then, he'll save us now. If the Lord was there then, he will be with us now. We get to have confidence that if he did it for them, if he did it for us then, he will certainly do it now. If he did it for you, he'll do it again. I think about my own life and my own walk with God and this story that I just told you a, a few moments ago about where my friend, this guy, this mentor in my life, and he told me he wouldn't give me any money. The, the, I look back on that, and those are, are moments in my life that I look back at some of the most precious things that has ever happened to me. I actually texted him a little while ago, and I said, hey, man, I'm sharing this story. Thank you. You not giving me anything was the greatest gift anyone has ever given me. To say no. And I tell you, I went, I went and I repented from the Lord and I just said, Lord, I, I need your help. Like, where am I going to get this money from? I don't know anybody else. I don't know what to do and I need this money soon. And so I just prayed and I gave it to the Lord. You know, I went to the chapel the next day and a couple days later. And there was a girl, Megan, who had heard about it just through the grapevine. And she had heard about it and she came up to me and she said, Jeremy, what's going on? I hear you're going on this trip. Is it, is it really happening? I mean, Christ for the nations is all about missions. It's a Christ for the nations. It's more than our name. It's our mission. Like we want to bring the gospel to every tribe, every nation, every tongue, right? That's the commission for the believers. And so I told her, I was like, man, I really want to go. I got to get money. And so we're sitting here down and at a, in the chapel and there's seats just like this. And, and all of a sudden she just steps up there and she says, hey, everybody, a room filled with students. Hey, I mean, students are poor. So I was like, what are you going to get? She says, hey, everybody, Jeremy's going to go on a missions trip in a third world nation. Why don't you just, hey, bring him some money. He needs money. Come bring him money. You, bring him money. You. She's calling people. Bring him some money. And I'm like humiliated. And then I'm just like, okay, what in the world is happening right now? And, and you wouldn't believe what happened. Just people, students, some that I knew, some that I didn't know. And they're just bringing me a dollar, two to a 20, five dollars, a hundred dollars, just people. And I'm literally holding cash. It's falling all over the floor. And this out of nowhere, a garbage bag, a, a Walmart bag comes up and they're throwing the money in there. And literally the Lord provided in that moment. And it's like, I can tell you, let me get back up here. <laughs> And I just think, I look back on those moments of just how the Lord provided in a time of financial need. And I believe that the Lord is able to provide for his own. The Lord is able to do things on our behalf. And, and I just think of other monuments, other Ebenezer's in my own life. I told my wife this morning, just thinking about this, and I'm like, man, I look at our four kids, and they're like all, they're all monuments they're all growing monuments to the faithfulness of God. And, you know, maybe some of you know, maybe some of you don't. My, my wife and I, whenever I got married, there were like a couple of things like, okay, there's like conditions on, you know, marriage. I'm like, hey, seriously, I told her, I was like, look, if you're not willing to go anywhere in the world and live, uh, then we can't get married. Like, we're, we shouldn't be together because I really, at that time, I felt I could go anywhere. So if, 
city, this girl, she was a city girl, you know, I was, uh, you know, and she was cool with it. She's like, absolutely. I was like, and I want four kids, you know, and she's like, okay, I can do that too. Uh, and so, so we thought. And so we wanted to have kids right after we got married in 2008, and a year goes by nothing, another year goes by nothing. And it's like, okay, well, maybe what are the issues here? And her, you know, going to see all the doctors, if you're interested, you go talk to her about all that girl stuff. But there's all these <laughs> issues. And um, I, I don't mean to make light of it because it was very mournful. And if you're going through that, I'm, I'm, I'm not making light of it. But it was like, and watching her distress over, you know, four or five years of infertility and, and striving for that end to to meet that goal is really difficult. And I remember times of her mourning in Dallas. She finally got pregnant, and in Dallas she uh, has a miscarriage, you know, in a hotel room, you know, and uh, a couple of other miscarriages and just awful times. I remember one time I came home from uh, work. I'm working at this ministry in Orlando. I come home, and she's on the floor, like in a ball, sobbing. And I was like, what in the world? The first thing I thought of is something happened to her mom. And I'm like, what is going on? And she said, uh, you know, Erica got pregnant, and she's like, and I'm like, okay, I understand. It's like, you know, when you're looking for that blessing and someone else gets it, it's like, you know, you're happy for them. But, like, man, it's like, oh, you got a graze again? I'm so happy for you, you know. And it's like, you know, it, 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 was, it was a sting in her soul, you know, that someone else was getting the, the blessing. I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, they're getting the thing that my heart so desperately Wants. The ache in my soul is being given. The thing that would cleanse me from the burden is being given to somebody else. And, you know, I remember talking to her and just trying to encourage her and just saying, look, the Lord has provided so much. He'll do it again. I was absolutely confident. And uh, my phone rings. And uh, a, f a friend of mine named Shane called. And she said, answer it. He's probably going to tell you his wife's pregnant. And I'm like, no, 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 answer it. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> so I answer it, and he's like, hey, Jeremy, what's going on? Dude, I got to tell you, my wife's pregnant. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like episode after episode, so I'm trying to get off the phone. She's crying even more. You know, there's a flood in our house and, of tears. And, uh, you know, it was a difficult time. And uh, her watching her go through this absolute, the, the, the biggest grief of her life, and me being helpless in a sense of being able to, to do anything about it. And if you were to ask her about now seeing these four little kids as they're growing and growing and growing and the Lord providing, you know, we say miraculously, we say that the God of Abraham and Sarah is still alive who opens barren wounds. So if that's you in this room at the end of the service, we'd love to pray for you and believe that God is able. Because if he did it then, if he did it for us, if he did it for many others, he could do it for you. I'm just going to speak that word of, of hope over you. So come up at the end. And so to watch this, we look at our kids and I tell my wife, like we have four little monuments running around our house, breaking our stuff, but we love it because we look at it and we say, hey, if God helped us then, Taylor, he can continue to help us in the future. And if God has done so many good things for you, and I don't know what they are, then he'll do it again. And listen, maybe some of you, you're like, man, I don't have any miraculous stories like that. I could tell you other stories, how God intervened, and it's awesome. And maybe you don't have any stories like that. Well, guess what? Go get one. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying that with, with cavalierly. I'm not saying that uh, just hyper. You know, I'm saying that you can actually go and seek and find God, and maybe he will lead you into one of the hardest times in your life, only to be the blessing for you, to show you that he is the strong one for help. He is able to do it. 
In Psalms, in Psalms 77, it says that I will remember the works of the Lord. David said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I, I will remember the name of the Lord. He says, by God's help, he could leap over a wall. He could do things because he would remember what God had done. And I would actually absolutely, without a doubt, fail today if I would not remind you of one memorial that God raised up. It wasn't a memorial of stone. It wasn't of brick and mortar. It was a, it was a memorial of flesh and blood upon a wooden cross. 2,000 years ago, how God had taken his son and he had tacked him to a tree and he had made him bleed and bruise and he had just devoured his life stripped his back naked for you and for me. And, and we would say that God would go through that suffering, that the man Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the, Im, the image, the radiance of the person of God, God himself in the form of man, able to come and, and to, to endure, as Hebrews said, such hostility from his enemies. If he had did it then, what will he do for you now? If he saved you then, how much more is he able to do it now? My point today is if you are struggling with confidence, remember. I think that's what it is. I think that's what I would encourage you to. You had a 2019 was like fat, 2018 fast, life is going by fast. Slow down and remember what God has done. In just a moment, we're, the worship team is going to come out. And I'm just going to invite you to just recall those times in your life where God was, was able to deliver you out of things. And again, for those of you who have not experienced that, I want to encourage you to go ask the Lord for it. And you will be like, man, this is the, some of the most amazing things that happened in, in your life. And you'll tell your kids about it. You'll tell your grandkids about it. You'll tell your friends about it, and it'll be a testimony of God's goodness in your life that he is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, all that you ever could ask or think. Would you bow your heads? As I said, the worship team's going to come out. and I just want to encourage you just for the next few moments to just do exactly as I asked. And I would just ask you to submit yourself in the atmosphere that God has given us. And, 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 and if your husband, your wife is with you, your family, maybe grab their hands in worship and ask together, ask together that the Lord would allow you to continue to grow and trust and the knowledge and the grace of God and provide for you great memorial stones. In Jesus' name. Hey, why don't you guys stand up and we're just going to take a couple of moments and we're going to exalt the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys.